Welcome to Open to Truth. My name's Clinton. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. Hey, we want to discuss um, some things that have been happening on our social media page. There's a buzz. We're blowing up. We're we're skyrocketing. Yeah, if you will. No. absolutely. <laughs> but there's been some back and forth. People have been engaging with some of our content, which is yep. cool. That's why we put it out there. We want you to engage. But it's really reminded me of our, the the present uh, almost nearly calamity that oh. our culture is in in regard to proper behavior online. Oh, yeah. Online specifically or just in general? Uh, no, online specifically. Okay, I think it's worse online than it is in person. And you think we've... Absolutely. Yeah, and We've seen some uh, displays of that. It's just tragic, dude. Calamity. Yeah. It's, <laughs> wow. Okay, so what's standing out to you? What's tragic? What's the calamity? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a host of things you can talk about with the the negatives to social media. Mm. So which I guess we can briefly jump into that puddle. Uh, social media provides a lot of great goods in the world. Like it, there's a connectedness that mm-hmm. there's we've never had before. It's really great for scheduling certain events with groups and kind of keeping tabs on folks and able to see pic- like I see pictures of people's trips. Like that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and you don't have to keep a physical album or I don't have to sit and look at your phone when I'm over at your house. Right, right. I could do that on my own time and when we get together, we can <laughs> you talk can about it. like yeah. or not like them. Yeah. That's great. Um, and there's a whole host of other things. People can use it for a news source and there might be problems with that. And, and in any case, like creating your own echo chamber sure. of uh, self-curated content. But the basic idea behind social media is... A good one, I think. Yeah, I think principle. so. We're so- social creatures. Right. It's just made it easier for us to be social and connect or given us a new avenue to do that. One thing I noticed, though, and this is a, not just a Facebook issue, okay. which is where Open to Truth is located mostly. Right. In the social media space. Yeah, but, but not uh, on Instagram or right. anything. Maybe soon. Who knows? Okay. Uh, YouTube, Reddit, uh, what else? Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Twitter. These, uh, they're just rife with what I would call like intellectual viciousness. Mm. Um, if, if at all the podcast is meant to be a reflection of intellectual virtue, which we can talk about some yeah. of those virtues in a moment, the online space can all too often be vicious. Why do you think that is? Why specifically the online space? Well, there's a bit of distance between you and the person you're talking to. Yeah. Um, you don't really know who they are at all. And honestly, no amount of digging on their profile will clue you into who they actually are. Yeah. There have been times when I'm like, who is this Jagaloon I'm talking to? And I go to their page and I kind of rifle through a few of their photos. I'm like, oh, okay. It's Try like to a- get a sense of. Yeah. I think I've put this guy's story together. Well, just like not... <laughs> Not too presumptuous, but I'm piecing together like, oh, he's a father, lives in a little town and has this construction job or something. Gives you and some idea of what's important. Yeah, to he's just and- kind of doing a little life. So I'm not as mad. I'm not as enraged now. I, because <laughs> you I've, used to be. You used to be triggered. I, I was triggered a moment ago. And then I when I go to look at, the more I find out about them, the less I see. triggered I become uh, when I'm at my weakest in the triggering space. Yeah, no, space. no, sure. 
And I don't think many people are doing that project. The of, digging. Like further investigation. Yeah. Not that it, that's even a healthy thing to do that I've done. Right. But I'm just saying that anecdotal evidence I'm bringing to the table. Like when I do look into the person more, I find myself feeling less perturbed. They're less of an other just in it. Because I think there is a, a lot of... There's obviously anonymity, even a degree of anonymity. Mm-hmm. And and there's no real consequences for popping off online, right? So if you go off at someone in real life, I don't know, where's the possibility they can smack you? And that's not what keeps me in line, you know, I'm not right. walking around like afraid that people will just hit me. But I mean, online, there is no consequence. I can log off, turn on my computer whenever I want. And I don't have to ever read their replies so I can get the last word if I want and make it feel like I'm winning an argument. I can be as rude as I possibly want to this person and nothing's going to come of it. Right. My life isn't, you know, hampered in any way. Well, well, I don't well, know. I think it hurts your own soul. That I was just going to okay. say. It is, <laughs> it is hampered, but I mean, it's not like I'm burning professional relationships. Like I need these people to get a job or something. These are just... Random internet guy who I disagree with, number six. Yeah. And I can just be a jerk to him. Um, You're right. I think it damages one's own soul to do that. But there, other than that, there's no real consequence. So you can, there's a get away with it factor, I think, that maybe contributes as well. I wish we had a sociologist to ask this question. I'm sure there is like a correct answer to it. But So would you say that there's more of a a risk or um, the potential downside to a negative comment than the upside to a positive comment. So the, the dopamine hit I get when I read someone praising open to truth yeah. is s- smaller in scale than yes. the withdrawal that takes place. <laughs> or, yeah. I don't know what you thought. I don't know what happens of there. When the cortisol, a, the shot of cortisol to the blood of when there's a negative. Comment. Yeah. And I have to admit, like, well, I just not admit, maybe like self-proclaim and I'm perhaps deceived, but I do think I'm like relatively uh, serene Yeah. when it comes to this sort of thing. Like me being, like when I said I was, I get triggered, me being triggered is not, it's not what some super harmful and like yeah prickish. It's not what like it is it for some be, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I've come some distance on that front. Yeah, pretty, I'm pretty charitable and responsible in my replies back. But you're not totally serene in that um, you you can be swayed. Your mood can be swayed for the better or for the worse. Yeah. And it seems like the negative comments tend to sway you further from center, a grounded center. Is that fair? Than the yeah, positive and I'm, ones and I'm kind of wondering, is that because of me? That's a problem with me. Oh, or is that know. just the the human psyche I feel puts like more stock in a negative thing because negativity maybe presents a threat in some way and so it's more salient to you to than dealt something with. positive? That that might be it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've, I think that we are problem-solving creatures and when you get 100 people saying, well done, change nothing, it you you appreciate it, it's nice, thanks for the encouragement, but it's also like, okay, I can dismiss that as a not a, something I have to deal with now. Yeah. But negative comments or like, hey, you really screwed up this or you could you could do this better come across as, okay, now there's this is an issue I need to fix. 
And so we tend to fixate on it. That I don't know. That might be interesting. Maybe it is something to do with our drive to solve problems. Mm. But I for sure felt that after preaching a sermon or doing a church service, you can get, you know, you can have 50 conversations with people who are really encouraged and you get one email from somebody who you could have said this better or you said this wrong and it's that's yeah. what sticks with you. It's a bummer. Now, what what are what are you to do about it? I mean, in the face of negative comments, I typically just I try not to get tri- or I'll respond in a humor a way of humor. You try to disarm. Yeah, I try to disarm or deflect. Yep. Um I don't kind of pipe off and right fire back necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's veiled in jokes. Right. Well, it's just how much of Like someone put hail Satan as a comment to like yeah. the video, which is clearly like not the message we're trying to convey. <laughs> right. And I just said like, "Oh, is that really the best idea?" Yeah. You know, to worship Satan. I'm not I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, because well, I don't know how much specifically if we're talking about Facebook. When I think about how I would respond to criticism on Facebook, I just don't know how conducive that platform is to meaningful and I don't know, charitable discussion. But compared to the other ones, isn't it one of the better ones? Yeah, well, I mean, in that because you get you, more characters or something. You can write long strings. I think that's something. Yeah. And it's meant to be tied to like a real person. person. Yeah, yeah, it's not an avatar. It's not just a right. username. Yeah, but I feel like still, I don't know, some of those conversations will there are some topics or conversations that I feel like are better off had in person where, where emotions maybe are, are so high that I don't know, you need the face to face, like, Oh, the person mm-hmm. I disagree with is a real person. Actually, that kind of keeps you in line a little bit. So, and there's this added feature. Um, there's this kind of, there's this little book that we talk about at our church quite a bit called the Bible. Uh, no, not no. that one. Okay. We do. That comes up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But this book called discipleship that fits Oh yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like irrelevant to this discussion in the sense that it's geared more toward like how you structure church, church spaces, yeah. but it's predicated on like a tested sociological principle of the degree of intimacy that can be achieved in different uh, groups, sizes of groups. Right. Yeah. And what's awkward about social media is that you are mixing the spaces that aren't supposed to be mixed. Good. So in a sporting arena, there's different behaviors and things I can say to the person next to me or that I'll allow people to hear around me Uh that are, there's just a different appropriate set of things in that context than in the five to eight people, like personal context. Close friendships. Yeah. Right. And those are being mixed on social media. So, for instance, uh, on our page that's public, and now there's like a thousand followers of the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a crowd. That's the public space, right? Similar to being in a mall or an arena or something. That kind of a thousand people is a lot of yeah. people that can see this. But you're saying things to me that are like really personal, yeah, and deserve the space of even one-on-one like or having a meal together. in a very close space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, really interesting. And so what may not feel as threatening in that personal space becomes like a public attack, you know? Right. So 
And there's probably different ways to cash it out, but I feel the tension of that. Yeah. Well, I think even part of that might just even be the structure of this podcast is sort of a mixing of those two. I mean, these are conversations that you and I Hmm. are having in private a lot of the time around a campfire in the car or something. It is an intimate space. And now we've decided to record them and broadcast them into a public space. Yeah. Well, that's true. But what I'm saying is it's not being experienced. It's not being experienced by a collective amount of people at the same time that are in the same space. Right. Okay. So now it would be different if we live streamed the podcast to a large audience at once. Right. Like a, like a thousand people are listening to us right now. Different feel to it. Different feel than for the listener. I guess it only ever feels like them, you and me. Right. They're at, they're at the empty chair at this table. Right. They're at the table here with us. Hello, dear listener. Yes. Welcome. You're in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have been, oh, I don't know, what would you say is your reaction to some of this stuff on Facebook that, that has been stirring on the Open to Truth page? Overall, happy, disappointed, proud of our audience? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of revealing to say on the podcast. Do you want to not? We don't have to. No, that's okay. Uh. I have been, I've been surprised, I'll say, in, I guess, the diversity of mm-hmm. people that listen to it and are interested in our page and, and particularly the blogs. Yeah. And I, it makes me wonder a host of questions. One front runner is like, does anyone actually listen to the content or read it? <laughs> or just see the title? Do they just see the title? And make an assumption about our platform and then write about write lengthy comments. Yeah. So there are a a number of like what I take to be really conservative, traditional evangelical Christians Mm -hmm. that have written on the page. Yeah. That I don't think would like agree with much of the content, particularly the earlier episodes. Yeah. And yet are really vocal or or they're not saying anything in their posts on the Facebook feeds that indicate that they're like really open folks, you know? Right. So it makes me think that there's a, quite a few people that don't read it and are using it. I don't know. As a, as a platform. They found that, somewhere to shout. Yes. <laughs> they are screaming into the <laughs> void. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So how do we get better at this? Oh, and I'll say too, uh, just uh, I think perhaps another sociological point. A lot of this is anecdotal. I'm kind of just making this up. Yeah, but no, I, I love it. There's a at least a nugget of truth in some <laughs> okay. of it. Uh, I find it pretty exhausting to respond. So I've been trying to respond to a bunch of these comments. Yeah, and it takes some time to practice the intellectual virtues. Right. To craft your sentences in such a way that the that would be met. the rational way to interpret what I'm saying. Yeah. Because there's ways of writing sentences that leave it ambiguous. Like, Yo, oh, oh yeah. are you being like, are, oh, are you being rude to me right now? Or yeah. are you burning you just, me? Did you just not like You're take me. time enough to, you know, construct it in a way that's more yeah. palatable? Or, um, and so maybe that's a reason, too, why you don't see that many even keeled commentators on Facebook. Because it takes time. It just takes some time it's to like effort. 
you know, go back and double check the spelling and grammar. Because what, what it comes across sometimes is someone has just fired off <laughs> yeah, like 15, 20 sentences. Just spewing it out. Stream of consciousness. Didn't like it's there's a sense of urgency that's yeah, that was shocking. Yeah, so like there's a few people that will just send off like four to five comments on a thread in a row, max an amount, just a no time delay in between the things, just boom, 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 and boom. There's boom. a bunch of essay, of course, there's gonna be spelling mistakes because they're frothing at the mouth typing. Yeah. <laughs> Some, I mean, something's happening to where they're just furiously keyboard warrior, they don't it. look back at what they've typed, that's so <laughs> and bad. already that to me displays the lack of a certain virtue yeah yeah um and i guess that would be probably charity we can kind of d- jump into the intellectual virtues, virtues at this point okay so that charity unpack that intellectual charity and that would be making sure to the best of your ability that you are being charitable to the person you're having a dialogue with right capturing their view correctly accurately stating it uh, if they've said it in a post earlier, or if you've heard them say something like it before, make sure you're using their words or how they described it. That's great. So that doesn't. So when we hear charity, it doesn't just mean be nice to the other person. Like don't call them names. Right. It, it goes beyond that. It's saying really, really try to seek to understand what they are saying. Give them the benefit of the doubt that they they could utter truths. Don't just write off everything they say, and really try to formulate their view accurate mm-hmm. make sure you understand what it is they're saying their view right yeah i don't see that happening very often no i no i don't either and you can kind of tell because <clears throat> conversations have a natural rhythm to them of uh i speak then you're going to respond and speak i speak you're going to respond And one of the hallmarks I find of intellectual charity is giving up your turn to just ask questions, to just have them clarify what they said in their turn. Mm -hmm. So rather than feeling like, great, now it's my turn to speak, I'm going to lay out all my arguments and show them every way that they're wrong, practice a little bit of charity, spend your turn just seeking to further understand what Mm. they said in their turn. So I would say in order to press into charity... You need this other virtue called intellectual poise. Okay, I like that. Intellectual uh, I, poise. Uh, and poise meaning, I guess I haven't looked up an actual definition before, yeah, or used had it in a vocab book. But I'm going to do that I, real quick. Okay. But I get the sense it just means like being even keeled, that you're ready to bob and weave to what's happening in a conversation. I see yeah. that you've Googled it. Do you want to hear this? Sure. Poise. Graceful and elegant bearing in a person. That's what it is. Graceful and elegant bearing in a person. Is that? Or balance. Okay. Equilibrium. Okay. That's basically even keeled. That's what I said. Yeah. So there's this, uh, there's this energy about you that, um, isn't, is not urgent. Yeah. Because these topics aren't, they're important, but they're not like, it needs to be solved now. And in particular, I don't need to get my <laughs> um, my voice or my ideas out in right. the open right away. This second. I can take some time. I can let the other person speak. My value, my uh, my tranquility as a person is not dependent on popping off yeah. or remaining silent. Right. Either direction. Just I'm happy and 
uh, contented, which is another virtue we'll get to, with uh-huh. my own mind. And so I can practice this posture of poise. That's great. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Another word that it has here, it says um, to cause to be balanced or suspended. And when I think about being suspended, I don't know, not immediately a jumping from one extreme to the other, but suspending judgment for a moment and, mm-hmm. and kind of getting outside the problem or the discussion and viewing viewing the different arguments and viewpoints as not, not identifying with them, I guess. They're mm-hmm. just, they're ideas. They don't define you or threaten you. They... And when you, you can fail to have poise, you may have um, included or grafted in an idea to your identity. Yeah. When you perhaps shouldn't have. Absolutely. You've wrapped yourself up in a, in a way that's unhealthy. Yeah. It's just an idea. Yeah. And you can tell uh, people who have poise, uh, I think, pretty disarming in the way that they handle conversations because they don't. They don't escalate things. They don't get hot under the collar and triggered. I Can I push back on that? You can. <laughs> I think that that is, just not to toot your own horn, but that you find that virtue to be that way signals that you have virtue. And I think, wow, I surprise think vis- virtue? I think vishu, or vishu. Who's vish- that? Vishu. <laughs> Sounds like a <laughs> Indian. <deity>. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, vicious and it sounds like a ridiculous word like over the top but yeah i just mean not virtuous someone who is not as far along in the journey of virtue intellectually i don't think they would find the person with poise to be one with mm. wisdom or that that is a virtue they should trait. be they should be urgently you should taking be more fired up about this join in the battle wow. you're a coward wow perhaps yeah so i think a lot of these um these virtues we're talking about will only appear to be good when you start to be when you start to tread down this path. Yes. Wow. Is that great insight, Neptune? <laughs> That's A plus. That's excellent. I like that. Okay. So charity and poise. The vicious man is blind to the virtue. Something Say like that. Neptune. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty nineteen. That's great. Um Oh we so we mentioned contentedness. You so didn't I might mention as well that. talk yeah. about that. Yeah. The contentedness piece uh, just being okay wh- wherever you are at with your available evidence. And so that could be agnosticism. Undecided on a particular uh, topic. Right. I don't uh, I don't feel that compulsion or urgency just to take a side where it would be a blind step of faith. Right. I did my uh, waiting on evidence to show itself. And in the meantime, it's not dishonest or cowardly or unvirtuous to admit that you don't know. Right. I, I can't take a position on this. I don't, don't have enough information at the mm-hmm. moment. And and to not be thrown emotionally into turbulence when you have to do that, but but to remain serene, as you put it earlier, yeah. to be okay with not knowing sometimes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's and, great. And I tried to say, like, it's, it's not to uh, advocate just sitting on one's laurels intellectually in the face of a, a problem, let's say, that needs to be investigated. Yeah. By all means, go out and search for evidence, but you can do that with a posture of contentedness that wherever you happen to be in the journey, that there's a there's a peacefulness about it. Would you say that's the antidote to the urgency? Uh, that's the, the an- antithesis? Well, of I the... think this is like 
the yeah the antithesis. Yeah. I don't know if that is helps solve the problem as much as that's what it's like to not to have not the problem. To not be the urgent yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, you mentioned in your explanation. So I think you're seeing like as we explain one, we can't help but they overlap. Bring in another one to help explain it. Yeah. And you mentioned intellectual honesty. Yeah. And this is huge. Um, and this is more where we get into, I guess, how one transforms their mind and what mm. the mental furniture. Yeah. Okay. Part replacing the things over time. Yeah. But being Super intellectually thesis. honest means that you are willing to admit the pros and cons of your position. Uh huh. You you are familiar with its weaknesses as well as its strengths. Yes. And you're not trying to hide them and cover them up. Exactly. Yeah. That's hard to do sometimes. And and just also with in yourself. your with yourself and with others to accurately report your mental states when the time calls for it. Um so I'm not Yeah. Um you don't have to dig in your heels and and, and say like that you buy into this whole uh, intellectual paradigm or package of ideas. Uh-huh. If you are feeling doubtful of some of them, sometimes intellectual honesty is called for. Like, you know what? I'm actually not so sure about that. Yeah. Contentedness is being at peace with being in that state. Uh huh. Honesty is the ability to admit that you're in that state. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add on well, honesty? Sorry, I thought you were about to say something else. Um, just that this. This kind of intellectual honesty always... I'm going to say something and you tell me if it's true or not. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to state it. Intellectual honesty always precedes a change of mind and uh, learning. Uh, lear maybe learning. Maybe learning. I think there are like duplicitous people that will change their mind. They're just a chameleon to their surroundings oh. and are never honest, even in the midst of change. Wow. Okay. So change does not, I, so no, no, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think change means honesty, but to ever truly learn anything, you need to have identified that you were thinking wrongly about something. Mm -hmm. And now you need to change that. You've changed the status, the, the fundamental status of your belief state when you've learned. Yes. Yeah. Um, you do not you no longer believe what you did. But the con man uh doesn't learn. He doesn't learn, he only lies. He keeps the same precept of like um falsehoods or appealing to people's desires will get me what I want in life or something yeah. like that. And yeah. so and I don't mean like professional con man. Some of you listening could be a con man. You could be a in, con man in your, in own, your heart. Yeah, in your own right. So <laughs> Wow. So in order to become intellectually honest, to learn, to change our opinions on things requires, that can be scary at times. Oh, yeah. There might be a lot at stake about being honest. Right. And there's You times, could have a lot to lose. And I don't necessarily mean like that whenever someone asks you whether you're having a good day, right. that you have to be like, actually, no, it was, it was one of the worst days. You know you what? Know? It's about a seven and a half out of 10. Let yeah. me tell you about my brunch. Yeah. You don't always have to do that. Yeah. I think that when you sometimes do that to individuals that you trust or something, you can yeah. make your more nuanced, honest uh, reports. Yeah, that's almost just like 
just the context of that question being asked. What mm-hmm. they're asking is not really how, tell me everything that's going on. Report accurately your mental states. Right. They're saying, hello, nice to see you. Uh, and then we brought up the word multiple times, coward, which mm. refers to the flip side as courage. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. This intellectual honesty piece seems like it would require some courage. It's, yes. It could be scary to be honest with yourself and with others. That's right. So having the courage to admit to oneself that your ideas have flaws in them, let's say, mm-hmm. and the courage to overturn that idea, to let it waft away yep. and maybe not replace it with something else, mm-hmm. sit in that agnosticism. Contentedly. Or if you did, if you happen to come upon positive evidence for a belief, then having the courage to take on that new one, yep. even when perhaps your community is at odds with that idea Mm -hmm. that takes intellectual courage. And would you say that courage, I remember hearing one time that courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the ability to act in spite of fear. Hmm. The intellectually courageous man is not the fearless man. He is just a brave one. Yes. Is that true? I think so. He pushes through the fear. He acts in spite of it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, Aristotle, when he talked about just the virtues at large, referred to virtue as the golden mean between two vices. So oh, wow. c- courage is the mean between cowardice. Yeah. Is that, is that a word? Or cowardice. Just, ca- just cowardice. Just cowardice. No, that's, ness. That's enough. Uh, and foolhardiness. Okay. So those are, those are two. One can be, it's the right uh, emotional response to fear. Yeah. So one is to let it cripple you into inaction, which yeah. is cowardice. The other is to pay it no heed. Yes. And fear is designed to keep us alive to an extent. That's why I'm afraid of right. dangerous so things. Bo- and you can say that about all the virtues. There's a That's pretty fascinating. Yep. Smart guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, one Intellectually of our- virtuous guy. <laughs> <clears throat> so you can say that about all the virtues. Um being perhaps overly honest in certain contexts or habitually lying, that that uh, intellectual honesty lies somewhere in the median. Yeah. The mean. And couple, let's see. Two other ones we wanted to cover. Okay. Uh, intellectual humility. And maybe that's kind of already been discussed. Yeah. Intellectual humility. Is that like a not, not assuming that you're right? Or what do you mean by... Yep, sure. Okay. I mean not having a bravado or pridefulness about your place. Right. Uh, or what we might call a, a recognition that your view is fallible, that you might be wrong. Well, that's good. Okay. I, I don't just, think we've brought that up yet. Right. Do you so wanna, explicitly. That you could be wrong about stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just even the intellectual pride is a, is a little bit funny when you start to tease it out because there was a time the proud man the intellectually proud man there was a time in his life when he didn't hold what he now holds Mm -hmm. so to take pride in the fact that i don't know you learned something once and other people haven't learned that yet there's a whole other posture you can approach it where you have an opportunity to give someone the same aha moment that you've had that doesn't have to be Based in pride. It can be based in genuine love for the other person. Intellectual generosity. In, okay. <laughs> you had one for that. Yeah. 
That's great. And not being hoarding or greedy. Right. So the, actually, I, I didn't have that on my list of virtues, but that kind of came to me as you spoke those yeah. words. And I see that on Facebook. There's this... Um, the, the hubris. The So even in the midst of the other vices of kind of just acting like a, a jerk and yeah. some of these other ways, uh, there sometimes it climaxes in intellectual greed or hoardingness. Right, okay. Where... Uh, actually, you're just too stupid to continue the conversation. Yeah. And my pearls of knowledge are not worthy to be cast among you swine. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is all above you anyway. There's a time and place for that adage of Jesus to come into play. Like, yeah. when you don't cast your pearls before a swine. Right. Isn't that? That is the Lord who said he, it, right? The Lord himself, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the spirit of that is when someone genuinely does not want to enter into conversation and will just mock whatever you have to say, then it may not be worth talking about. Right. Uh, but that's not always the case what's happening on Facebook and no. when they, it can be a spirit like of, I am very smart. Like yes. that subreddit. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I've got to figure it out. You guys are dumb. It's not, right. you're not even worth my time. Call me back when you have any good arguments or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Have we missed any there? Virtues? Do we do we tackle all there is to say about intellectual pride? Haughtiness? I guess so. I don't know. I don't have anything else to add on all that. Right. They they all to me really overlap. <clears throat> yes. And now the last one, mm. uh, just to tie a bow on it. And it's on our video, little landing page oh, yeah, on great. the landing page of our website and the ads yeah, that we, we love this may one. have seen on Facebook. Uh, is curiosity. Mm. And it's kind of our motto going forward. Curious? Curious, yeah. And this is just, um, this is kind of the spark that gets the, the whole thing going. Yep. I think. I th yeah, good. And it's just this desire to really come into contact with the truth. Yeah. Truth, beauty, and goodness yep. are this holy trinity of, um, I think, what it means to have a flourishing life. And I want to find out everything there is about that yeah come what may right you know? yeah it may require courage and honesty and humility as i go through the process of discarding old beliefs or maybe just giving them a proper burial a funeral yeah uh don't you don't have to mock them into the earth <laughs> as you leave them behind they but served just, you for a time there they were and i thought that and now i'm thinking this way yeah but the curiosity piece is i just want to I want to discover. I don't want to assume that I'm automatically right. I want to be open to being wrong because then when I find out I've been wrong, I get to know the truth. The joy of learning. Yeah. How do you, you've always been, as far as I can tell, well, maybe not, maybe not in high school, but I feel like you've been an avid learner, at least as long as I've known you. Actually, mm -hmm. now that I think about it, I think you've credited one of your friends for instilling in you the love of learning, didn't Mike? Hope you discover that. I'm wondering, yeah. can you teach curiosity or do you have to be born that way? How does somebody become intellectually curious who isn't? How do you solve that problem? How do you I get the spark started? You know what? I Yeah, I think I can honor my grandmother here by uh, you know, just praising her for what she did in my childhood. Yeah. I think what bred curiosity in me... Now, my so my grandmother watched me for... A few years while my parents were working. She would watch me during the day before my school years. 
and literally like this is before internet's really a thing and almost whenever i would ask like a serious not just that i want a glass of milk but ask her a question about the cosmos in yeah. any way uh let's go to the library and try to find out really she did that so she did not try to like just give me an answer grandma would pack me up in the car and we go to the library and we go to the librarian do you have any books on this? And we sit down at a little table and learn about it. That's awesome. I've never heard that. Yeah. Wow. What a gift. That's yes. fantastic. I so love we that. did that for years. I actually don't have that many conscious memories of that happening. I was so young. Yeah. But I think just that's part of my formation. Stuck with you, apparently. Yeah. My dad has always been a very serious learner, yeah. avid reader. Yeah. Reads very widely and diversely across the disciplines. And I think. My dad was the same way, read to me at a young age. Yes. So that was huge. Instilled in me a love of reading really young. Mm -hmm. And likewise, I watched him just tear through books. And then in our family, we would discuss that kind of stuff all the time. So question asking and discussion was always encouraged, which was really helpful mm -hmm. for me. Now, I do think uh, this past two episodes now, I've mentioned the enneagram okay this guy it's, wants to do an episode that's <laughs> coming we're gonna do an enneagram, enneagram episode but at least from that uh like personality uh archetype structure mm -hmm. i i'm kind of starting to be more convinced that different intellectual virtues come easier to different types different types right so i think curiosity comes more easily to my type the, the investigator yes yeah i'm deeply curious about how the world works yeah and i posture just myself emotionally as an observer of the world mm -hmm. and to my own detriment i can be emotionally detached wow and too much in the intellectual realm yeah but i just want to manipulate ideas that's where i find that's my sweet spot and i don't think it's that way with everybody um like for instance the one the perfectionist let's say uh is much more interested in like a for sure answer is a little more black and white yeah um, is not is going to find curiosity to be a challenge to step into uh, while, let's see, they might have a better time with courage. Okay. So once you convince me, I am ready to change and get step into the truth, but I'm not too curious. Not about, naturally curious yeah. necessarily. I don't know. I just, That's interesting. Yeah. So I, I, all that to say, I think you'll have an easier time cultivating curiosity if you're a parent and have a child depending on how your child's wired. Yeah. All right. That's helpful. Okay. So there, uh, there's a constellation of intellectual virtues, and I hope that th it comes across in this podcast that we're, that Tony and I are stepping into these. We're and trying to practice them, yeah. We are trying to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we recently had a chance to do it like in real life with oh, people. Oh yeah, this was great. Do you want to describe that? Yeah, we were getting lunch the other day and um, talking about a class that we're doing at, at church together, kind of planning for that. And this particular, I almost called it an episode, this particular uh, class that we were planning was going to be on religious diversity and how to make sense of that mm -hmm. in light of a good God. So we're sitting there talking about God and other religions and stuff like that. And we happened to notice there was only two other guys in the whole room that we were in and in some other booth. And we could hear that their conversation was also mentioning God. And, and, uh, I guess Ricky Gervais has a bit where he's in one of his movies yeah. asking why somebody doesn't believe in Zeus, but they do believe in God, et cetera. And we're like, Oh, that sounds like kind of what we're talking about. Right. So we're uh, just alone in this section of the restaurant with two, 
like just these two yeah. duos of guys. Now, to your credit, you you were like, oh, should we get him, pull him in on this? And I was like, eh, I don't know, feels <laughs> weird. And uh, and but he did. He hollered at them with his boomy voice and <laughs> and asked them. I don't even know what you asked them. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Or I think you I just said, uh, hey there, can I ask you a question? <laughs> hey, folks, yeah. Yeah. got a question? Yeah. Um, and it sparked for us uh, just a really good conversation with these guys who I think you're asking them kind of where, what are you guys or where are you coming at from this? Because yeah. we're pastors. We've been eavesdropping a little bit, but right. can you fill in the pieces for right. us? <laughs> we're, we're pastors and we're planning this class thing. And and they pretty quickly said, well, you're, you're talking to a couple of atheists, so yeah. we don't really stand anywhere on this kind of thing. And, uh, and I thought. And we just embraced that. We didn't yeah. take, we didn't view it as that strict sense of like evangelism moment. Like I'm trying to okay, win time the to be on. Yeah. Time to win some souls. Yeah. Let's take out my sword. Right. Yeah. It was just, I don't know. It sparked for us a really interesting discussion. There was a, a fun moment where one of the guys, and we had already mentioned that we were pastors, but one of the guys, you know, had said, I think I asked for clarification. I was like, Hey, when you say atheist, do you mean, do you mean you believe there is not a God or, or you're just kind of agnostic about it? You don't know. Yeah. And you just kind of reflect. More agnostic. Yeah. More agnostic. But one of the guys said, I think anybody who claims theism is the most arrogant. Has the height of the, hubris. the height of hubris, the most arrogant yeah. thing. And we had just told him that we were pastors. Um, but I think, I think what was really, I don't know, useful in that is when, when those kinds of comments happen that was a little bit of like gloves up on his part yeah because he, he didn't exhibited know what, poise he didn't know what to expect on the part of the theist like oh great these pastors are going to try to convert me um but yeah it's just able to laugh with him let that roll off the back and mm-hmm. just start asking more questions which was really disarming i think that's so important and that's so i think you did there is poise and contentedness there uh-huh. because your identity is not wrapped up in your beliefs in this way Beliefs are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not important to get after truth, beauty, and goodness. That's why we're here. We love that. Yeah. But uh, your identity, your state of mind, how you relate, the love you have for your wife and your dog and your community is not dependent on what this guy thinks. No. We care about the guy. Had a great talk with him. But what he says isn't going to... I'm not, I can choose whether to let that bother me. Absolutely. And I can practice that muscle of contentedness. Yeah. And so that was the attitude and then behaviorally the poise to be balanced in your response Mm -hmm. and to not fire back. Well, uh, okay. Even if I'm in the height of hubris, uh, your life is meaningless and you're nihilistic. So, (laughs) right, right. It wasn't combative. You don't have to do that. Yep. I think, uh, oh, I was, that was going to say, I was replaying the conversation. I think this is where I started to notice what I put language on earlier of there being a natural give and take to conversations. And I think I gave up plenty of my turns when maybe they didn't expect me to. Yes. I gave up my turn to speak, to learn more about them and have them speak giving, I gave them another turn basically. Yes. Um, and that goes a long That's way. It's funny with turns. I know. Well, I like you know that. what I mean? The turn based like combat turn based, uh, yeah. <laughs> conversation. Yeah. But I think that does go a long way to building rapport. Cause before long, we were all joking with each other. And there was a sense of mutual like camaraderie, even though we might disagree about views of the world or God and theology, there was a sense of like, yeah, but I genuinely like this guy. Like mm-hmm. I'm just having right. a conversation with a nice guy. Exactly. Yeah. So way more fruitful than trying to pick a fight or something. 
So to tie this back in to at the top of the episode, are the virtues flourishing online? No. No. No, they're not. <laughs> and I guess that's what kind of bummed me out a little bit. Yeah. I am totally blown away and happy with the growth that we're seeing with oh, yeah. the episode downloads and interaction on the page and the blogs. That's all great. But it is it's just a reminder that this is the space that we're in. Yeah. Um, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we do. And that and that not every listener has is at the level we are at with like wanting to pursue the virtues. Right. So when I imagine like my the ideal listener here in the th- in the third chair, yeah, yeah. they're kind of like just humbly tracking and asking questions yes. and yes, a, a healthy amount of doubt and like, are they really saying what's right and are willing to like bob and weave with it? Uh huh. But. That's not what it's I'm. It's not finding. always the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the I don't know if the other guys would have slogged through this whole episode to reach this point though. So right, you've demonstrated some poison patience just getting here. <laughs> if you feel like you've been attacked just now, know that you do indeed yeah, show. You, we're probably the- <laughs> not talking about you. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have anything to add about the virtues, or if you think. That that's kind of stupid, and actually the vices are better. Wow! Because you can win and be the champion, or something like that. Yep. Please write in. If let there's us a virtue <laughs> you struggle with in particular, yeah, or yeah. a way, that, a tip for overcoming a particular. Oh wait, well before we ask that of people, what's what's yours? The biggest one I struggle with. Yeah. Courage. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't really hesitate there, but I think can about. Can you explain? Um. Yeah, I. I feel like in general, I tend to be more cowardly. I don't, I will sometimes not say what I actually think because I'm afraid of how a person will respond to that or that just even, even if they never express it, that internally they will hmm. not like me or something. So I have, a, in an unhealthy way, I would say I have a tendency to censor myself where I probably shouldn't. I think that's because you're a nine, the peacemaker. Uh, yeah, I think probably. Anyway. This guy, Enneagram, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's funny because like a couple of months ago, was... you were super skeptical. Now yeah. you're just living it. Yeah. It'll become part of my vernacular. How about you? What, which uh, do you uh, struggle with the most? Just as I look at this list, the one that I think I struggle with the most is poise. Poise. Okay. Now I'll say, just not, I don't mean to be arrogant. I do think like, at least online and like as we we just had kind of a... yeah little hairy situation at the adult class the other night where we were talking i think i can handle myself well but i fight this internal urge to to just trample underfoot with your intellect correct and to use the hammer of the mind to cudgel just (laughs) that's the temptation i face so like when someone starts going off i'm like as a like i mean you're you're a trained philosopher phd in philosophy there's got to be a temptation it's like a I don't know. It's like picking an uh, an arm wrestle with a bodybuilder or something, and he's deliberately going easy on you when he yeah. could just crush you. It's it's got to be a real temptation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'd say that's one I can feel the internal storm brewing. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's good because I actually yeah. feel like we could probably help each other in that. Mm-hmm. I feel like poise is one of the ones I have an easier time yeah. with, and courage you seem to have an easier time with than I do. So yeah, that's good. Cool. Meant to be. Yeah, please. that'd be great. Please write in. Let us know the one that you're struggling with. That's a good practice. That's just a good 
yeah, just thing to do for self-reflection yep. and self-knowledge. So always, Where always can they reach us? They can reach us at open to truth podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Like the Facebook page, follow it. Jump into a big contribute. Comment. Write five comments. <laughs> <laughs> Showcase the virtues. Um, Spell check. And make sure to subscribe to whatever medium you listen to this on. Yeah, Podbean, be iTunes, Podcast Republic, yep. Spotify. Uh, that'd be really great. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. See ya. Bye.